Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. How many eggs do you think a chicken lays each day? Three or four, maybe. We need to get like 10 chickens. Why? And we'll go to Venezuela. Okay. Because, because of the runaway inflation they have there, estimated now to be a million percent. I heard somebody tell me that if a candy bar, if you had bought a candy bar for one you know, denomination of their currency. Bolivar, yes. It's now like a million. I don't think it's that much. Well, it's a million percent inflation. Okay. So they're having such problems there that it's about $150. I mean, dollars. Right. For eggs, a dozen eggs. Really? Yes. Wow. So hear me out. So the eggs in our refrigerator right now, because I bought two 18 packs, is like... $450. Right. Or in other words, we go on vacation to Venezuela, get an RV, get a trailer, get ourselves some hens, it pays for itself. Right. We could sell a dozen eggs for like 10 bucks. Boom. Well, don't undercut us. You'd still make quite a bit of money. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duo with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation, I mean, I talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael and his firm, Legacy Financial Network, to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome everyone to Fireproof Your Finances. I am your host, Michael Markey. With me today, as she is each and every week, the malleable. Excuse me, what? Malleable. Moldable? No. No. Vanessa Markey. No. Hi, everyone. Okay, hold on. What? You come up with words like malleable and you've never heard about what a pregnant pause is. You want to bring this up again? Yes. No, I haven't yes. heard of pregnant pause. Google it sometime. Why? I don't care. Okie dokie then. And it's going to bring up a whole list of weird things if I put in pregnant pause. No, it won't. It's actual. Gra- it's actually a grammar definition. So we've got a good show for you today, despite what it may be starting off like. We're going to be discussing... A couple articles. You found a few of them for us. Right. I think one. Well, there's two, but one specifically was on life insurance. Yes. Which doesn't sound too fun. But we've been talking about it for a while now, so. Well, and this focused on false assumptions Mm -hmm. and how some policies are failing. And what I liked about this is the fact that it it really kind of badmouthed this product category. 
We could dive into it if you want. I did print it off, staple it, and highlight. Wow. I know. Before we do, we also today had time or planned to go over other problems with rate of return Mm -hmm. and how, depending on what period of time you use, will drastically change the rate of return or the assumptions. Right. And so with life insurance, we talk about how the failed assumptions or bad assumptions are what made these policies fail. Correct. And therefore, talking about different rates of return, I think, would be a good segue into that, too. Mm-hmm. I even have a surprise lined up for today's show that I did not discuss with you. Because we discussed so much today. I got well, back to my office after huffing five bazillion pounds of glass up a few staircases to mm-hmm. an you need to read this. It's 40 pages long, but it would be great for the radio show tonight. Well, you did. You should have looked at my face when I read that email. That's why I sent it via email. Wanted to take my computer and throw it out the window. Well, I found an old interview between Dave Ramsey. Oh, boy. And the Motley Fool. Oh, really? It's, it's, it's a, and it goes along with rate of return, so it actually works. All righty, then. So do you, which one do you want to start with? Well, probably life insurance, since you let off with that. Well, actually, before we do, not oh. to, we need to go to this. So we've told you guys that you can connect with us. On the and, Twitterverse. Yes. And apparently the handle has worked. You can Now we, we're going to have to add more tweets. So last week I tweeted out a picture of a local CPA firm that's in one of our office buildings. Mm-hmm. And they put documents to be shredded. Right. In just a normal trash, plastic trash container with a small, tiny lock. Right. In a public building after hours. Anybody could have, and it's on wheels. Like you could legitimately just take this and shove it down the stairs and poof, everybody's information is out there. Yeah. And you think about it. That's date of births. That's social security numbers. So Account I, numbers. So I put the picture of this out in the Twitter Twitter sphere. Did you find their hashtag and hashtag them? No, I thought that'd be mean. No, it's not. That's like actually probably You think I should hashtag the name of that business? Absolutely. It'd be so funny. You are. No, that's not funny. That's not safe. It's a public building. Anybody can get to that. I don't feel right about that. Maybe they'd learn something. How about this hashtag? Hashtag. My wife is half evil. I mean, that's okay. Hashtag, the side of her you don't want to meet. Okay, that's a little bit aggressive. Hashtag, she's not who she thinks she is. Wait, no. Seems Wait. she is. Meh? Meh? No. Anyhow, so we're out there, if you want to connect, at fireproofshow on twitter.com. There's no dot com. Yes, twitter is dot com. Oh, However, yeah, there it is. We no, but it's are... not. it's not fireproofshow at twitter.com. It's just... At Fireproof Show. Mine's more memorable. Anyway. So you can find us. We put that out there. We'll be adding more tweets this week. I will figure out what the login information is and do better. Hey, but we had 16 people. That's great. Maybe, you know, it actually seemed, sounded good when I found that out. Now you just Kim Kardashian gets like a million per picture. Whatever. So 16. Not her first tweet. We'll work on it. Anyway. So starting with the article. Which one? The life insurance Uh article that you found us. That I highlighted. You did. 
Okay, so the article that I found was a univer- about universal life insurance, which I'm going to be honest, I still don't quite understand all of it, so you might have to get into the technical details. Okay. But universal life insurance, a 1980 sensation has backfired. Mm-hmm. And it basically goes into how and why it has backfired for people. And one of the ones, one of the stories, because it, it goes into the technical mumbo jumbo about what it does and percentages and everything. But one of the biggest ones that stuck out to me was a gentleman out of New York City. And I'm just going to call him Nicholas because I can't pronounce his last name. Or two. Sure. Um, he's an 85-year-old former high school teacher uh, and has three universal life policies issued by a company. I'm not going to say which one. I don't even know if they're still... They are. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say them. Anyways, it says one of them initially, one of his policies initially earned 9% on the savings account. The policy accounts today fetch 4 to 4.5% of interest. And Nicholas is quoted in this article saying, I was abstractly aware that interest rates could vary. Um, But after the 2008 financial crisis, the whole thing came home in a way that it was no longer an abstraction. These life policies were quicksand, like, that's aggressive. Quicksand. Mm-hmm. Four death benefits totaling about $475,000, which is a pretty decent death benefit. Nicholas is paying almost $30,000 a year for these policies. It's three policies. Right. $30,000 a year, which is triple the original amount. And so the complaint here is obviously, well, why didn't it stay? You know, I budgeted for $10,000, mm-hmm. but certainly not thirty at the very moment that I need it. Right. So there's a few pieces of that. Mm-hmm. Now, the world of universal life insurance, it gets broken into fixed universal life policies and variable. Okay. They work differently. But the main points here, and I'm going to, after we come back, I want to explain to everyone how these policies work. Right. Because they do go into it in this article, but I'm going to be honest, and it could have been because I was skimming through this at work and going over a few things while doing a couple other things. I didn't understand it myself. I think you do. It's not that difficult. And you had an insurance license. Thank you. (laughs) No. And you had an insurance license, which means you passed this portion. But it sounds overwhelming. Right. When we come back, I think we can simplify it so that everyone understands what these policies are, Mm -hmm. what they were intended to do. I will tell you how these failed very easily right now. Okay. People used them for what they thought they might do rather than what they knew it would at least do. Gotcha. When you use anything, anything for what you think it might do, you're introducing risk. Right. They also took these policies out during a period of time where we were in the strongest stock market performance we've ever had. Right. Which would be like people taking them out right now. To a degree. And then they assumed those types of returns would always be there. Not only did they assume, but they did. They had insurance agents that assumed that too. Which this article actually goes into, Mm -hmm. surprisingly. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go over how these work. Mike Markey is full of information, but as you probably already know, he gets so excited to give out that information that he speaks at about 900 words per minute with gusts up to 1,300. Now's your chance to get that information at your own pace. Mike has written a book called Fireproof Your Retirement, which can be found on Amazon. 
It covers many of the same topics we cover during the show, including income planning, asset allocation, gifting, taxes, and much more. As you know, Mike is all about paying it forward. That is why 100% of the proceeds go to local fire departments. Once again, that's Fireproof Your Retirement by Michael Markey, which can be found on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. If you are just joining us, we are discussing universal life policies. Everyone's favorite subject. Absolutely. I was riveted at my desk this afternoon while skimming the article I found. But I think it would be neat. So we keep talking about this whole Twitter thing. Mm -hmm. Hook up with us. Maybe that sounded weird, huh? But I think that's what you say. So connect with us. Connect, not hook up with us. (laughs) Connect with us on Twitter. At Fireproof Show. And tell us about maybe experiences you've had with life insurance policies. Right. And have they been explained to you the same way? So before we went to break, I said... Where you get in trouble with these is when you use a policy for what you think it might do rather than what you know it will at least do. Yes. So here's a universal life policy. Before the universal life policies, we basically had two types of policies in this world. Mm-hmm. Whole life or term. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish they wouldn't call term life term. I wish they'd call it temporary. Right. That seems to resonate more with people. Right, which we went into last week, I believe. So temporary policy, it's good for 20 years. It's temporary. Mm -hmm. Whole life was good for your whole life. Mm -hmm. And you paid a lot more for it, but it had a level premium. Right. So you always paid the same amount. Universal life is designed. And then term, you pay the same amount if for the term, whatever that is, the temporary period, five years, and then it goes up each year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a 20-year term per year is more than a five-year term per year, Mm -hmm. okay? So a universal life was the combination of the two. It was the idea that you pay extra premium so that there's a cash component. There's this savings account, like they said, that was earning 9%. Right. And then there's an increasing premium within there, like the term insurance. So the idea was that you'd pay enough extra in the early years that the interest would pay... For, for the extra premium later on. Right. So if gotcha. I'm paying 100 bucks and I really only need to pay 20 then later on when I should be paying 200 all that principal I have in there, that account value that earned all that interest mm-hmm. will make that difference. Right. Now, when we look at his policy and it says it's crediting 4.5%, there was your minimum. Right. That's what it was guaranteed to do. Right. What should have been done, which would, avoid, which would have avoided all of this, would have been to build the amount he paid based on the guarantees, Mm -hmm. not the projections. Right. And when you read through this article, it talks about how oftentimes the guarantees were... um, Significantly less. And they always are. No, the guarantees aren't less than what they thought. The guarantees were the guarantees. It would be like this. Imagine you bought a car with a five-year warranty. Okay. And it covered everything in the five years. Mm -hmm. But let's use a Lexus. It's a Lexus, okay? Okay. And the salesperson says, but don't worry about the warranty period because these things run forever. I've never had somebody come in and even do any warranty work in the first five years. No, they just come in in six years. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you'll even have to worry about this until the seventh or eighth. So you go in expecting that it's going to be worry-free and trouble-free for eight years. Mm -hmm. But what's the guarantee? 
Five. There's not. People drive lemons off the lot all the time. But let's assume in my example, I just said everything's covered for five years. What's your guarantee? Five years. So when it breaks down, if you bought it with the anticipation that anything after five years, I'm making money, this is good. Mm -hmm. Then if it makes it five years and three months, you're happy. Theoretically, yes. Because if you buy it for as long as it may, you know, I'm buying it for the guarantee. Mm -hmm. Let's use a different example. One that I know will work now. <laughs> when we you bought the pool cleaner. So we own a pool. We bought a foreclosure four yeah. years ago. Had a pool. I didn't want a pool. In fact, it's got it's an in-ground cement though, so it's nice. But when we looked at the house, I tried to suggest that it should be a dog kennel. You gave me the 30 seconds of I'm going to act like I'm respecting your opinion. And then you pretty much told me it was the stupidest idea that I could have had. Why would you have a giant cement pad in the middle of your you, yard? We don't need to rehash this. Anyway. And so I was incredibly frustrated with the maintenance of it. Mm -hmm. Well, and not to mention it has a minor leak underneath. So every 10 seconds we're throwing a hose in it. But anyway. I mean, incredibly minor. That, that, yeah, that's very little of this. It's mostly the evaporation. But. I had a client who said, Mike, you should buy a robotic pool vacuum cleaner. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was way too expensive. Not going to do it. But a few things happened. And I had a few that really said you should do this. So we bought one. Right. Now, we bought the warranty. Or I'm sorry. It came. The reason we bought the one we did is because it came with a three-year non-prorated warranty. Mm -hmm. And we run the living snot out of it. Right. You don't even vacuum the pool when you open like you don't even nope. manually vacuum when you open it. You drop the thing in and say, go to town. Chuckles. And I turn it on the morning. I turn it on the afternoon. Yes. If, if I was here in the middle of the day, I'd turn it on then. Yes. Because I've said from day one that if it's going to die, I hope it dies in three years. It's a non. No. Yes. Two yeah. years, 11 months <laughs> and 30 days. Right. It's a non prorated warranty. It dies in the. 35th month, we get a brand new one. Right. Now, I've also broken down the cost of that thing. And then, yes, I've done this. And divided up how much time you took to vacuum. And figured out it was basically costing me, if it doesn't last one day more than three years, it was costing about $12 an hour mm -hmm. to have this thing do it. Right. To have a clean pool that I don't have to clean. Right. And it's worked out really well. Mm-hmm. I won't be happy if it dies on the first day of the 37th month. Right. But I won't be negative against it either. Because it served its purpose and it lasted the time it was and supposed to last. And the math worked. Right. Because that's what I built the math around. Yep. So something as innocuous and as stupid as little as a pool vacuum, we did that math. Right. So why on something as important as life insurance are people taking projections? or hopeful, or I think it could do X, but it's only guaranteed to do Y. Can you imagine had Mr. Vertuo put, because he's now paying 30,000. Mm -hmm. He started paying 10. Right. The, well, and, and according to him, um, where did it go? He has basically had to cut his death benefit to repay a loan against the insurance that he took. And, is basically looking for another cut. So he's still planning on keeping this insurance, but he's basically living like he has no money. Well, here's what's cool. Well, I think it's cool. So here's an article that, would you agree with me? We don't, it was a really long article, but we, we can't read through the whole thing. No. Right? 
And would you say that this article was negative on this type of policy? Yes. Big key word there. He cut, I'm reading it verbatim right now. Years ago, he cut the death benefit to repay a loan against the insurance. Mm-hmm. What that means is he was paying this money in. He was paying the $10,000 in a year. It earned interest. You know what he did? He took a loan on the interest. He took, yeah, he took that interest essentially out. Right. Which therefore changed the interest calculation. Mm-hmm. It's not the policy's fault that you took money out of it. No. It's, again, maybe he listened to an insurance agent or he asked what I see a lot of times people say, can I do this? Sure, you can. But it's not a good idea. And doesn't mean you should. Right. And maybe when he started off, instead of paying $10,000 in, he could have paid twelve, dollars mm-hmm. And that with the guarantee would have been fine. That would have made everything last as long as it needed to. Right. That's easy. But based on this article, that wasn't necessarily explained to people very well. Or they didn't understand it. You know what? It's, it's twofold. It's two faults here. And the reason I say it's twofold is oftentimes somebody says, well, it's life insurance. Do you think people shopped for price and life insurance? No, probably not. So you think they just picked the highest expensive, most oh. costly? No, they, they wanted yeah. it cheaper, right? And if one agent offered a million dollars of coverage at $100 a month and another was at 120 how many people do you think really dug into what that extra 20 got you got you to? They didn't because verbatim in a quote from Mr. Nicholas, because I don't know how to say his last name, it says, I hate to confess this. I simply went along. I don't think I understood completely what the H-E double hockey sticks I was doing. This isn't a product that people should just be doing themselves. They should be getting guidance and you can get guidance from somebody other than the person who helped you buy it. Right. And so that's what using an advisor who's not just focused on rate of return, who looks at everything will provide. Mm-hmm. Well, we're out of time for this segment. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Most people plan on taking their social security benefits at one of three ages, 62, 66, or 70. But did you know that there are over 20,000 calculations that could be run to determine the best time for you to file? Call Legacy Financial Network at 855-LF-NETWORK or visit LegacyFinancialNetwork.com to request your complimentary social security maximization report that will help you learn how you can get the most out of your benefit. All right, and welcome back to the final segment of Fireproof Your Finances. Today, we've been talking about life insurance. And really, I would say it's been much more than life insurance. It's been more focused on bad assumptions. Right. Going in with the wrong state of mind, Mm -hmm. the wrong expectations. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about life insurance, we should, or any insurance policy, you should be using it for what you know it will at least do not what you think it possibly could do. Right, because you can't predict the future. No. And using the past always isn't a good thing either because depending on what you use as the past will greatly influence what you think going forward. Right. So I wanted to get to a interview between Dave Ramsey and The Motley Fool, but let's save that for next week. Right. And we'll Twitter it. Awesome. We'll put it out there for people before next week's show. I will figure out how to use Twitter and do that. But we do have just enough time to talk about different periods of time when we look at different rates of return and how much they change just by changing the point in time 
that we use. Right. So as an example, let's use the U.S. stock market. Mm -hmm. So if we use the U.S. stock market, which we can use the Dow or the S&P 500, but I was reading a newsletter where the author used the Dow. Mm -hmm. And so the Dow Jones is 30 individual stocks, some of the biggest, baddest you, you know, companies in the country. Right. And so he gave us a couple different periods of time to look at. Yes. Um, it says the Dow closed today, which on the date that this article was written was August 30th of this past year at 25,987. The Dow was 13,930 on October 1 of 2007, which many consider the beginning of the mortgage crisis. So if you would have stayed invested, your average annual return would have been 7.87% going from 13930 in 2007 to 25987 on August 30th of So this basically year. over the last 11 years, going from the peak of the market to now. So the, using Correct. the peak of the Dow to the peak of the Dow, mm -hmm. we're at about a little shy of 8%. Correct. But... Most people that are trying to get you into the market use the bottom of that market, which was March of 2009, and the Dow was at 6,500. Mm -hmm. So, according to this article, if you use that number as your starting point, the average annual return for those eight and a half years increases to 35%. Right. 35% because you changed your starting rate from October of 2007 to March of 2009. Right. Going to the bottom. So almost 10 years. And so people say, well, you know, you can get this 14% or 15% rate of return and they'll use statistics like this. Mm -hmm. Or go back to 2000, early right. part of 2000, the Dow Jones was a little over 11,000. Yep. So we go from there till now, it's at 7%. Mm -hmm. But kind of the thing that strikes me is when I got in this business... CDs were over eight. Right. So there's a few pieces that number one, when we use all these different periods of time, and that was the whole thing about the Dave Ramsey um, interview, he used an average rate of return mm -hmm. and an average rate of return just states that it takes the positives and the negatives and divides by the number of years. Right. But that can be very misleading. Right. Depending on your starting point. Well, and because if you lose 50% and then gain 50%. So if I have 200 bucks and I lose half, what do I have? I have 100 bucks. Right. And then if I gain half back. It's only 50. Yeah, so I'm back to 150. But negative 50 plus positive 50 is zero. Zero divided by two is zero. Using an average rate of return, I am broke I broke even. Right. In the real world, I'm still down 50 bucks, or in other words, 25%. Mm -hmm. So rate of return can skew things. Here, but we can argue whether it's 10, whether it's 8, whether it's 12, whether it's 14. The reality I'm going to leave everyone with is this. What doesn't get argued with is this point. Investors do worse than investments. Mm -hmm. Investments will do better than investors. Why? Because how many of you had the guts to buy at the bottom? Not how, very many. How many of you had the guts to sell at the top? We're not close to very the top. many. We're close to the top now. I'm not saying that we only have two weeks left in a bull market. Maybe we have two years, but we're 10 years into the bull market. 10. If we get two more years, by very definition, aren't we at the tail end now? Yes. 
So in order to buy low and sell high, you know what you first have to do? Sell high. Right. We're high. So I don't all got to sell. No. no. I don't know how high we are. I don't know how much higher we'll go. But I do know this, that by very definition, if we get two more years and we're 10 years in, we're high. Right. So be careful when you get in. So that's why investments do better than investors. We found in behavioral finance, less than 20% of the outcome has anything to do with market-related activities. Mm-hmm. Yet most advisors, that's all they'll discuss with you. Right. That's why I believe people should go to our workshops on social security and on personal finance and on taxes. It's all in one because you, they're going to start in introducing you to behavioral finance, something I teach them all the time. Mm-hmm. We're all subject to our behaviors and our behaviors are more impactful than the math. And boy, is that hard for a math person to say. Right. But you can go online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. It's LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. You can sign up there. Mm-hmm. You can call us at 616-589-4004. 616-589-4004. And we'll have a live breathing person sign you up. Till next week, we are your hosts. And this has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances. For more information, contact Michael J. Markey Jr. of Legacy Financial Network. Call toll-free at 855-LF-NETWORK or online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.